Hey everyone, Mundo here. If you would like to support the show, please head to patreon.com slash crimeandcourtusa. Yo, what's up everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of Crime and Court USA. This is a weekly show where I go over the biggest crime and legal news going on in the good old US of A. I'm your host, Mundo Carrillo, recording this on January 12th, 2022. I hope you guys are doing well. So, first of all, you guys, I have a very, very big announcement. I have now added exclusive perks to the Patreon page, so now... For just $1 a month, you can get access to a new bi-weekly show called Crime and Court Extra. And for $5 a month, you can write to me on Patreon and have your questions and comments read on either the free show or on Crime and Court Extra. I want to start getting your guys' voice onto the show. It's a bit of a one-sided conversation, right? Me talking, you guys listening, but I want to start getting you guys involved in the show. So I think writing in would be a great way to do that. And I hope you guys take me up on that offer. I hope to hear from you guys starting next week. My first goal is to get to $500 a month, and when I get there, I'll do a Crime and Court Extra episode of The Fans Choosing. I'll just put a poll on Patreon. So please head to patreon.com slash crimeandcourtusa and help me keep the dream alive. Alright guys, let's get into some news here. First off, the white men who were convicted of murdering a black man in Georgia in February 2020 all received life sentences, and two of them do not have the possibility of parole. Greg McMichael and his son, Travis McMichael, were convicted of killing 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery after a November trial. Arbery was out for a jog in Santillo Shores when the McMichael saw him and believed he was responsible for a recent string of burglaries. Arbery was recently seen inside a house that was under construction, but he was not seen taking anything. The McMichaels were eventually able to cut Arbery off with their truck. Travis McMichael then got out of the passenger side with a shotgun, and he and Arbery started fighting over the gun. The gun then fired three times, hitting and killing Arbery. The McMichaels told police that they were attempting to do a citizen's arrest on Arbery, and at the time, it was legal for citizens in Georgia to hold someone until the police arrived. Since this happened, that law has been dramatically revamped, though. Travis McMichael also claimed self-defense because Arbery had grabbed the gun. William Bryan had joined in in the pursuit and filmed the encounter, and he was also charged and convicted of murder. Both McMichaels were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, and Brian was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. During the sentencing hearing, Judge Timothy R. Walmsley held a one-minute moment of silence to demonstrate a fraction of the roughly five minutes that Arbery was running for his life. I, I've never seen a judge do this during a sentencing hearing to hold a moment of silence, but yeah, that, that was pretty interesting to see. I don't know if I said this. This happened on Monday... January 10th. So the murderers who killed Ahmaud Arbery received life in prison and only William Bryan who did film the encounter and that was the video that basically led to their arrest. That video leaked and got everybody upset, rightfully so. So um, yeah, he does have the possibility of getting out before the end of his life, but the McMichael father and son duo do not. Let's go on to the next story. Real estate heir and possible serial killer Robert Durst has died at age 78 in a California prison on Monday, January 10th as well. Oh no, I, jeez, uh, I screwed up that Ahmad Arbery sentence. That was actually not this Monday, that was the last week. This happened on Monday, 
The story of Robert Durst's life is freaking crazy. <laughs> it includes the disappearance of his wife, the murder of a close friend, and the killing and dismemberment of an elderly neighbor. Durst was also a master of disguise. Apparently, he had wigs, he was known to cross-dress, he had masks. There was even a point where he was living as a mute woman in Texas. And we'll get to that in a bit. If you guys remember, he was charged with the murder of Susan Berman just before the finale of The Jinx on HBO in 2015. That was a docuseries about his life. So most of this information I got about his life and all his legal troubles I got from the Washington Post and the New York Times. Let's just get into it. So Durst's wife, Kathleen Durst, disappeared in January 1982 at the age of 29. She had showed up to a hospital with bruises not long before that, and it looked like their marriage was falling apart. They were fighting a lot, just not getting along. The case went cold after several years without a trace, but then Robert Durst vanished in October 20, I'm sorry, October 2000 when authorities announced that they were reopening the case. Susan Berman, an accomplished journalist and author and a longtime friend of Durst's, had defended Durst and personally confronted journalists when they tried to question him about Kathleen's disappearance. In 2000, Berman was found shot dead in her home, shot in the back of her head, execution style. Authorities had found an anonymous note that said where they could find the body, and it later came out that Durst did in fact write this letter. Durst was living in Galveston, Texas as a mute woman in 2001 when he killed and beheaded his neighbor, 71-year-old Morris Black, after the two got into an argument. Durst then dumped the body into the Galveston Bay. Durst was later acquitted of Morris's murder. He had argued self-defense because he and Morris were fighting over Durst's handgun. He pled guilty to tampering with evidence in a separate legal proceeding, though, because he said he disposed of Morris's body and fled because he feared that no one would believe his story. The story of a rich guy now living in squalor who killed and beheaded somebody. While Durst was filming an interview for the Jinx, he went to the bathroom and didn't seem aware that he still had a hot mic attached to him. And he muttered, quote, what the hell did I do? Killed them all of course, end quote. The producers shared that bit with police before the show aired, and Durst was arrested for Susan Berman's murder the day before the finale went live. He was later convicted of murdering Berman and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Prosecutors said Durst murdered Berman because she was about to tell authorities that Durst murdered Kathleen and disposed of the body. And it's worth noting that Kathleen's body still has not been found. Durst's lawyer later confirmed that Durst had died from medical complications but he did not elaborate. Durst had been getting medical treatment in prison for several years. He did have some ongoing health problems. Durst's father was a real estate mogul, but it was his younger brother, Douglas, who took over the family business. Durst underwent psychiatric treatment after his mother fell off the family's mansion when he was seven. It's unclear whether it was a suicide or an accident, but Durst said he saw it happen. This story is really like a movie, you know? And in fact, the producer who, who produced the Jinx in 2015 and 2010 he made a movie that was loosely based on Durst's life, starring Ryan Gosling and Kirsten Dunst, but apparently it sucked. So it's almost like you can't even make a movie about this because the real story is better. So yeah, I didn't know all this stuff before I started researching this story. So yeah, I might be a little behind there, but if you guys didn't know either, you guys are caught up too. <laughs> all right, moving on. A sheriff in Texas is accused of instructing his deputies to take cash from undocumented immigrants during traffic stops even if they aren't suspecting of, suspected of committing a state crime. This story was written by Jolie McCulloch at the Texas Tribune, who I believe I worked with at a Red Robin in Albuquerque back in the day before either one of us were journalists. So 505 represent, man. According to search warrant affidavits obtained by the Texas Tribune, Real County Sheriff Nathan Johnson admitted 
to Texas Rangers that he instructed his deputies to take cash and other property from undocumented immigrants. A deputy who was interviewed by investigators said he was instructed to, to do that kind of practice since he had started his employment. It is unclear if Johnson will face charges. And uh, <laughs> I had to tell you guys about this story. A judge has upheld the 2017 firings of two Los Angeles Police Department officers who had been playing Pokemon Go instead of responding to a nearby robbery call. Court documents show that they ignored the call and instead chose to chase down a wild Snorlax. And I think they caught him, for what it's worth. But they also lost their job, so there you go. Yeah, man, this was April 2017, I believe. This must have been when Pokemon Go was new and it was just taking over. And had, I mean, for them to be, <laughs> I mean, they must have been at the height of the popularity. I think people still play it too. I think I have a good friend who still plays it and he listens to the show, so I won't out him. But <laughs> I guess Pokemon Go is life, man. I wonder what those guys are doing now. Can't be too sure. Probably working for another police department, honestly. All right. And finally, looks like we have some controversy surrounding the Ghislaine Maxwell conviction. So if you guys remember, Glenn Maxwell was recently convicted on several sex trafficking charges for helping recruit and groom teenage girls for sexual abuse by financier Jeffrey Epstein. Now, after that verdict came out, a juror gave interviews to several news outlets. He went by the name Scotty David. That's just his first and middle name, so not his last name. He told the, uh, the media that he was a victim of sexual abuse as a kid, and that influenced his decision to convict Maxwell. Federal prosecutors have made an inquiry to the court as to what this means for the verdict. And one of Maxwell's lawyers has said it's definitely grounds for a mistrial. So when you're a juror, you're supposed to be as unbiased as possible, right? That's why they have like a big jury pool and they narrow it down to, I believe, 16 jurors with four alternates, right? I think 12 people decide the case, but there's an extra four just in case something happens. But there's a big questionnaire for each juror. And in this case, you had to answer whether you were the victim of sexual assault. And I believe this man said he wasn't. So since he lied, you could argue that Ghislaine Maxwell did have an unfair trial. And that's probably what her lawyers are going to argue. Her defense attorneys do have until January 19th to formally explain why the conviction should be overturned. And the prosecution does have a chance to respond to that. So this isn't over? (laughs) I suppose so. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how all this shakes out. If Man, I mean, he, like this guy, he gave interviews to media, told him that. So that's on the record. So if you had to ask me, guys, if you had to ask me, I would say it's probably in a, in a mistrial. I don't know. I mean, they prosecutors, again, have agreed to drop perjury charges. Actually, I don't know. I said, but again, but I don't know if I've said this yet. Maxwell does face two perjury charges in a separate case, but prosecutors have offered to dismiss those charges. If the sex trafficking convictions stand, I don't think the... Uh, Defense will take that offer up, but we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. All right, folks, that is all for this week. Remember to share the podcast with your friends, share it with your enemies. Just help me spread the word of Crime and Court USA, folks. We're growing. We're definitely growing. So uh, we need need to get to the next level, folks. Spread it. Tell your friends about it. Do whatever you can. I appreciate that. Remember to also head to the Patreon page, patreon.com slash USA to get access to exclusive perks for a very reasonable price, I might add, and help me keep this dream alive. Also leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can leave a rating on Spotify. That helps the show get in front of more people. You know what? No matter what podcast app you have, just rate or review the show if you can on that app. I'd really appreciate it, guys. All right, folks. Until next time. 
My name is Mundo, and I'm out. Peace.